Hi to all our listeners. This is Coach Chelsea, the host of the Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study, a place where athletes, coaches, and athletic professionals come together to talk about faith, sports, and servant leadership. We hope that this podcast blesses you. If there's anything we could do for you, please find us at the Chelsea F on Twitter, at Chief Friend John, C-H-E-F-R-A-N-J-O-H-N on Instagram and streaming live at Chelsea F. Muir on Facebook. We pray that you continue to be blessed and continue to serve as God would ask us to. For those who are new to the call, I'm Coach Chelsea. Um, I'm down here in Tallahassee, Florida, and we pour into our athletes. We pour into those that we lead. And, you know, we needed a place that we could come back and just kind of speak mono e mono to have some people pour back into us. And we've been doing this for a while and just being able to watch these different leaders. And so, you know, by way of social media, by way of talking to other coaches, um, you know, I was blessed to come across you, Coach Moore, uh, you know, the head men and women's tennis coach uh, at Alcorn State. Please, did I say that right? Okay, because listen, I know I know how it goes. I had I got corrected one time before, and I said I will never make that mistake again. Uh, but that's just gonna come on and talk to us a little bit about you know her athletic journey, um, you know her program at Alcorn, and how just faith and family and passion has helped you know kind of catapult her within her career. So I just thank you so much, Coach Moore, for just giving us you know your time. Um, you know, I tell people all the time that's the most precious gift because you can't get that back. So I thank you so much just for agreeing and being willing. And I just look forward to chatting with you today. So I'm going to go ahead and pass the torch to you and give you the floor and we'll move from there. So thank you so much again for being on. Okay, no problem. Thank you for having me, Coach Chelsea. Well, like she said, my name is Anisha Moore. I'm the head men's and women's tennis coach at Alcorn State, located in Lorman, Mississippi. Um, I started October 1st of 2019, so it'll be a year um, after this month. Um, my tennis journey started when I was, I believe, three years old. My aunt taught me how to play tennis. She gave me the racket, but before I could, before she would teach me, she told me I had to promise that I would give back. So from an early age, I had to make that promise to always give back, and I just carried that throughout my life. But um, when I was younger, I started playing tournaments. Um, I got to be about six years old. I was started doing pretty well in tennis and I actually started winning tournaments and getting pretty good. I was able to apply for a program called Tennis Opportunity Program in Chicago where they helped um, low-income families from the south side of Chicago and they helped pay for their tournaments and different things like that expenses and I I was awarded that um, position, that opportunity and from that point on I had um, a team of people who helped invest in my tennis, different tennis lessons, things like that and course my goal was to get to college Uh, I was able to accomplish that but I had a a, I'll say a a life-changing event when I was about 15 Um, my mom decided that she wanted to move to Texas which was pretty um, I felt at the time that it was very uh, random I was you know 15 a teenager and of course I loved you know Chicago I loved my family I loved everything about what what I was already doing but I will say during my time in Chicago, I did not have a, a, a solid relationship with God. And when I moved to Texas, I was able to gain that um, relationship with God. So we went to Texas. Um, 
for the 2012. Um, and I actually, we were staying with my mom's friends for a little bit, and then we actually ended up, uh, her friend dropped us off at a shelter. And I was 15 at the time. I had my sister, she was eight, and my mom. So we were actually living um, in a shelter around this time, actually, uh, so a couple of years ago. And I turned um, 16, my birthday's August 2nd. And we end up getting enrolled in Mesquite. Um, and when I started school at Mesquite, turns out that I was considered to be a senior because all of my credits transferred and I was able to graduate early. So during that time when I was in um, Texas, you know, we went through some, a lot of different things, but I think, thank you, I see a happy belated birthday. <laughs> thank you. but. Went through a lot of different things when I was in Texas, but I learned so much during that time. The main thing was, like I said, building that relationship with God. I think my mom was very um, adamant about that, and she played a very essential role in um, me building my relationship with God at a, uh, during, I'll say, my teenage years. So when I was 16, I graduated from college, I mean, excuse me, high school. And then I uh, ended up getting a full ride to Southern University, and that's located in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, and I played, and I actually graduated college early too. So I played, um, I graduated in three and a half years. I played all four though. So my goal, of course, my uh, it was a championship winning program. They had won, I believe, four championships in a row, and no college team had, um, made five. They won four in a row before, but they never made five. And my goal was just to make my mark my freshman year and show my coach why he recruited me and why I was there and to be a part of that program. Now my freshman, I'll be honest, Southern is a, a party school. So when I got there my freshman year, I didn't do the best uh, that I should have academically um, in the classroom. So my goal going into the season was to keep that first for one for two, to increase my GPA, and then three, to my goal was to get freshman of the year. My goal was, like I said, to be a coach. So I just started surrounding my life around tennis, my social media. I followed all tennis pages, and I just wanted to make sure that I was evolving my whole life around what I wanted to do. And I actually came across a, an ad for a, um, a program, and it was the USTA, which is the United States Tennis Association. And they had a professional coaching fellowship program and it sounded perfect, like exactly everything that would help me get to my goal. And in that program, um, I applied for the program and I actually got accepted and they paid for me and a couple other tennis players to travel the country and learn how to be a coach in, in the tennis world. And they paid for our professional development. We went to the U.S. Open. I went to professional tournaments. I got to meet a lot of pros. I got to become a certified high-performance coach. It was just an amazing program. And during that program, one of my mentors in introduced me to this guy. His name is Andy Brandy. And he was the, during the time we were at a dinner, he was getting an award for the most successful coach uh, in, in college history. And my mentor introduced me to him. And he was the coach at LSU. And like I said, I was in Baton Rouge at the time. So he was he told the coach that I was interested in college tennis and coach Andy asked me, uh, was I interested in, you know, getting on court? And I was like, yes, of course. And he ended up giving me his card and told me to give him a call. So as soon as I got back to Baton Rouge, I reached out and he gave me that opportunity to come on court and learn from him. 
So I went from one learning experience to another learning experience, like right back to back. So after that, I spent um, a semester on court with the LSU men's tennis team. And then that following year, I actually started my own tennis program. And that program is called More Quality Tennis. And, and again, I started that in um, Baton Rouge. With the aim, I saw there was a lack of parent information. There was a lack of competitive tennis and then just community outreach, just creating programs and have inviting the different communities out to teach the kids how to play tennis. So I did that. I ended up having my own summer camp too after that, which was great, something I always wanted to do. But then there came a point in time where I just didn't feel like I was happy living um, in Baton Rouge. I felt like there was more for me. So I went to New York for another high performance, like a tennis program. And when I got back, I, I was just so excited, but also so sad because I just felt like there was something else for me. You know, so I just I was praying every night. I Another thing I do is um, I listen to affirmations before I go to sleep, like on YouTube or I put on different prayers before I go to sleep to help me clear my mind and ease my mind a little bit. So I did that. And basically, I was just praying for an opportunity. And I got a call one day from one of my former, um, she's a grad assistant at Southern. And she called and she's like, Alcorn has a, a head coach position. You need to go apply. And I was like, a head coach position? Like, like why, you know, why would I apply for a head coach position? Because my goal was to be a grad assistant. I wanted to work my way, you know, into becoming a head coach. And she was like, yeah, like you can do it. Like I got you, just apply and let's just see, at least try to get the experience to see what the interview is like. So I'm like, okay. So I applied and I got a phone call like maybe three hours later asking for an interview um, that Friday. So I just remember calling my mom. I'm like, Ma, I just applied for the head coach position at Alcorn and they want to interview me Friday. And her response was just so vague. She's like, okay. I was like, did you, did you hear us? I said a head coach position. She's like, yes, that's for you. It has your name written all over. Like that's what God has for you. You're going to, you know, you're going to be good. And I was freaking out because I mean, at the time I was 23 years old. I just turned 24 um, last month. So I was just like, there's no way. I just, I was just surprised. So I went on an interview. The first question that they asked me on the interview was, have I been through any adversity? And if so, how did I overcome that adversity? And I was like, well, I mean, just growing up on the south side of Chicago, where I'm from, where you can go outside to take out the trash and people are shooting in the backyards and just seeing all the different things that I've seen as far as violence, um, you know, like police brutality, different things like that. And even from being homeless in Texas and overcoming that and sticking with my family during that time to get through this situation. I've just been through a lot in my younger years in which I'm appreciative of that because now I can be able to help someone else get through, you know, certain you know, adversity and things like that. So I just told them my story It's about me growing up playing tennis in Chicago, moving to Texas and graduating high school at 16 and moving on to college and doing big things in college. And they were just so impressed with that. And um, one of the main things that the AD said at the end of the interview was that he was just impressed with uh, my level of maturity, my resume and my network. And that just made me feel good because I've just worked hard to, I've always just tried to work as hard as I could to get to wherever I wanted to go. 
But I will say this, this is when I 100% took a step back and just said, this is not in my hands. Because, okay, I'm 23 years old. I'm now a head coach. This was not in the plans. Like, I didn't, I didn't know this would come so soon. But that's because I was thinking about my plans. I wasn't thinking about the big picture, what God had for me. So I had to take a step back, like, okay, you're in control. Obviously, I can do as, as much planning as I want, but it's not in my hands. So after that was a, a big lesson learned for me to just take a step back sometimes and just trust God and just continue to do what, you know, you're supposed to do. So I did have to tell myself like, okay, you prayed for this, you made this goal, but you also put the action behind it. And that's what helped me get in the position that I am now because I had the faith and I had, but I also had the action behind it. So I think that was, um, the best thing in my life that happened was that move to Texas and um, me gaining a relationship with God because I did not have that at all. I didn't look forward to going to church in Chicago. I thought that people were hypocrites and different things like that. I didn't, I didn't have any knowledge. So being in Texas and going to church every Sunday, going to retreats, I looked forward to it and I learned so much. So from that point on, even now to this day, I found a um, church home in um, Baton Rouge and I commit to every Sunday in Bible studies and different things like that. And I even have some Christian books. I would highly recommend um, Fervent. I have a good friend. Um, I believe she's on a call too, but it's great to now get into the family part and friends. It's great to have friends who you can talk to God about and who you can connect with on a spiritual level, because that's very rare, especially in my, in, in this generation, it's just very rare. So we read the book Fervent and we did some discussion questions after each chapter. And I didn't do that by myself. I did it with a friend and it really helped with accountability and just building our friendship as well. So I love to read books. That's something I take pride in. I absolutely love to learn. I listen to different podcasts, whatever I have to do to learn some knowledge so I can then eventually be able to help apply that knowledge to someone else. That's what um, I love to do that. And as far as family, my family have always supported my tennis and I've always tried to use my tennis as a tool to bring my family together. So I have, um, I love support and it just shows someone is very intentional and respects your grind and respects your hustle. So I'm very appreciative of the family and the group of people who aren't my blood, but that also still support me and just support my grind and my tennis. I'm very thankful for that. And then as far as um, passion, I mean, tennis, I, I love everything about tennis just because of the direct correlation to life that it has. Um, there's so you have to have perseverance. There's so many opportunities for sacrifice and different things like that. You, and that's what happens in life. I feel like tennis and sports help me prepare for life. And me being a coach now with having my team, which I'm not too far from their age at all. I'm probably about, I had a player who graduated who's, I, I believe, 22 or maybe 21. So it's, um, it was definitely a, an adjustment and a transition and transition being in this position, excuse me, at a young age. But I feel like with the people that I have around me, my mentors, my mom, my family, um, they really help support and be that backbone that I need to get through life right now and get through this profession and um, different things like that. So I'm really thankful for them too. 
And do I still have time to? <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> I still have some time. Okay, yeah. so I mean, lastly, I'll just talk a little bit about my team and then just that transition in, into being a head coach. I know this is a coaching um, uh, show, so, and just being a servant leader. Um, I was super nervous to meet my team, like I said, because I was young, but I think I kind of just was maybe blowing it out of proportion a little bit, but it was, they did their research. We ended up being in the room. They did their research on me. They asked questions. I was very firm and it went great in my season. Of course, it got cut short, but I was so excited for the season, but our team goal, we have like a hashtag and that was to make it count because we have a, a, a lot of adversity. Um, I was short players. I had players that were hurt before I got here, not cleared to play. Just a number of different challenges that I had, but and, and my team as well. But I told them our goal is going to be to make it count. Like, don't count the days, but make it count. Each opportunity we get to step on the court, each chance we get to compete, to work out, is just to make it count. So I tried to preach that um, to my team as well. But it was just very tough. Um, not being able to finish the season, but I look forward to next season, of course, um, and being able to recruit. That was super fun. Um, I have a new mentor who's the coach at Florida, and our, our first conversation, because I don't have an assistant, and he asked me, so he's like, so you're the head coach for men's and women's tennis. I'm like, yes. And he's like, well, I should be getting advice from you. And I'm like, well, <laughs> that was pretty funny, but I – it's, it's a very tough position, but what I learned about myself is that definitely um, with God on my side, I can accomplish anything. And if I take a step back and realize that I'm here for a reason, I'm here to make an impact, I can use my story to inspire others, then I, I just remain faithful and just do what I'm supposed to do and be a servant leader and to serve, serve my community, serve my players, serve anyone around me. And that was interesting because the word from Church Sunday was about that and sometimes we don't understand that thing it's bigger than us like I didn't know that my story could inspire someone else until like I said I was at um Mesquite High School and I did a speech and there was someone who was in the crowd and they wanted to do a documentary I was so shocked like there's no way but they end up doing the video and um I didn't share it for like a year it was out for about a year and I finally shared it. And someone from Chicago that I knew, she said that she saw the video and she was crying. And she said, because of that video, like I didn't give up. She was going through something that she said she didn't give up. And I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is bigger than me. So I definitely need to use this as a tool to try to help inspire, especially if someone's going through something, you know, just be able to inspire them and help them get through this situation and understand that, you're, in the end, it's going to be okay, especially if you trust God and believe that you're here for a reason. He has a plan for you, and you will make it out. Everything will eventually work out for itself. So I'm thankful to be in this position. Um, I feel that, I mean, I'm learning that I've been called to do bigger things, and I have to open my mind to a larger capacity to understand that it's like I said, it's way bigger than me. And it's, it's bigger than where I am now. Still, I, I feel like I'm called to do even bigger things just because at such a young age, I've done so much. So I'm just super excited for my future. The goal is always to keep God first and remain um, faithful 
and continue to build that relationship that I have with God. So that's my story. That's where I am now. And um, I'll hand it back over to you. Yeah. I mean, I think that's so awesome. You're so humble and I love that. And the first thing that really got me is in a world where, you know, we've been watching uh, women empowerment, just, you know, it's always been the case, but in a world where right now in this space, where we all have been in a pause. It wasn't like it was a hurricane or a snowstorm or something that was isolated geographically. We've all been in the same position. And so one of the first things I'm like, wow, wait a minute. Am I reading this right? She coaches the men and the women. And that was huge. Oh, yeah. tell you why, because, you know, of course I coach girls basketball, but one of the women on my staff, she has built an amazing travel program for boys. And mm-hmm. you find that that is something now where you have the boys like, can y'all work me out? Can y'all train me? And it becomes, you know, as people say, normalize, they'll, they'll use that. So let's normalize, you know, women and men being able to train. If you know what you know, what you know, it doesn't matter the gender. And so that was one right. of the things that jumped out um, about you to me. I'm like, wow. So can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, one, most people look at it and say, she does men and women. Are there any challenges? Yeah that comes with that i'm sure there's a lot but (laughs) yeah um it's interesting i actually love coaching the men's i think maybe a hundred percent of my confidence came from being at lsu with the men's team i was specifically with the men's teams with coach andy branny and he's the most successful coach in the history of college tennis so i was i was so confident going into um coaching the men's and what made me feel um I almost got emotional but when I we actually played LSU our first tennis match so my first ever tennis match I played against LSU the guy who pretty much just taught me so much about the men's team and after the match he came, he pulled me to the side and he told me that um he's like those guys have so much respect for you like you're doing such a good job just keep going and I was going to ask I was like wait but what about he's like no you're like you're doing good like they, they have respect for you they're doing good they're competing well and even in the article um, about the match, the coach said that um, that I did a good job coaching them and things like that. And that really that really um, spoke to my heart and made me feel good. And it's kind of just added to that fire I already have inside of me about coaching. So definitely, um, you know, I hear different stereotypes and things like that. And even my mentor kind of asked me about the men's. And I'm like, it's so easy coaching the guys. Like, they just want to go and they just want to compete. Of course, the women are a little bit more emotional. I have to deal with a little other different things but the guys they I, I love coaching the guys I absolutely love it you know it's so funny that you say that and I tell people that all the time and they don't like that I say that but I'm like it's the truth you know the boys here they're just they're ready to come in the gym they can finish mm-hmm. practice and still want to come to our practice you know and the girls mm-hmm. just because it's Wednesday what's wrong I don't know <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah that, so you know, I totally get you on that. I think that's so amazing. Of course, these have been different times, as we've talked about for everyone. Um, with the pandemic going on, you talked about your season um, being cut short, but I love how you highlighted, you know, making it count. You know, it doesn't matter the number of days, make those days count. And so with the pandemic and things are opening back up, what does that look like in terms of, you talked about recruiting, having some time to do that. Um trying to get to know these players and taking care of our players in this. What is the day? How has that changed now? How you communicate with your players? What does your season look like now because of the pandemic? Talk to us about that. 
Okay, well, those are um, some of those I definitely won't have answers to. And I'm sure a lot of coaches don't specifically because of the pandemic, but it's a very drastic change. I'll say that um, not because I feel like I, I love to interact with people. So not being able to interact is very challenging. My biggest challenge is that my whole team is international. So, I mean, I have players from literally all over the world. I have Brazil, uh, Macedonia, players from Zimbabwe, um, Argentina. They're from all over. So they actually, half of my team are, the returners are actually back on campus and they're trying to string rackets, play tennis. I'm like, guys, we can't use the facilities right now. Just hold on. But um, recruiting, I'm, I'm done recruiting, but that was very tough because in other countries, you have to deal with embassies and the visa process, and we have absolutely no control over that. So I actually have none of my freshmen will be here this semester. We have to push for the spring because their appointments for their visas got canceled and things like that. As far as practice, I know we do have a thumbs up to practice starting October 5th, but the students are still moving in um, onto campus. They start in class classes next week after Labor Day. So, I mean, that's the, I'm really happy that I instilled to make it count on them because that's literally, we don't know how much time we have. And our season literally got cut short and from on my end and my players end, I just wanted that to be the just make it count, work hard as you can with the time that you have, with what you have, and make it count. So, and even for me, it was, honestly, it was very stressful the first month, but then I had to just have a talk with myself, and of course, I had some other guidance, but I just had to tell myself, as long as you do everything that you can, and just try to do the best that you can, and be the best coach that you can, the best person, the best mentor, the best therapist, we all know as coaches, we wear so many different hats. So as long as I'm doing what I can and doing the best that I can, that's all that I can do. So when the season was cut short, I was sad, but I wasn't sad as far as my performance because I felt like I did everything each, every single day that I could to make my team a better team on and off the court. So. I think that's so amazing. And you said something that's really huge. I, you know, for those that I saw, and even though that, that I can't see, I can only imagine how much they nod their heads when you said we wear so many different hats as coaches and leaders. I mean, and if, if we've never worn those hats before, we have, we're definitely wearing them now. You know, I was telling somebody the other day, you know, we just have to, as a winter sport, um, we're in limbo, just kind of at the mercy of how fall sports will do. Uh, down here in Florida to see what we're going to do. And, you know, my biggest thing is I got to just check on my players because I'm like, yeah, doing, I know how I felt when I went home yesterday. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that is with all my wherewithal, understanding my social emotional learning, I can only imagine what these babies are going through. And so I, I love how much that you dedicate to doing that. Seeing as you have players from everywhere, I think that's amazing. Mm-hmm. How do you, and and this comes to a great question about relationships um, in terms of being a coach and a leader, how important are those relationships, especially in a case like yours where, you know, these individuals are eons away, miles away from their homes? How important are relationships to one, leading, and two, Mm -hmm. coaching this profession? Yes. So during, um, so far in my journey, I think that's absolutely number one I think everything kind of stems around relationships because 
to have relationships, you have to communicate. And that's one of the main things I learned with um, my one of my internships with the USCA. They, they did a ton of networking, but not only network, they build relationships with everyone, like every single person. And that is a very challenging task. But when I got in, my number one goal is to build relationships with my players. And even while I'm recruiting and talking to players from all over, I want to build a relationship so they can feel comfortable talking to me and we can kind of build off of that initial conversation. And not just, you know, we'll talk about things other than tennis, like because you're still a person first. And I like to look at my players, not just as a tennis player, but as a person first. So I think as far as leadership and and um, building relationships, that's that's a, a just a very important, what, is it like a quality, not a quality, but just something that you need to be able to do as a, as a good leader. And like I said, I'd rather lead by example. I'm not a... I'm, sorry, I'm a more facilitative leader. Like when I meet with my team, we'll sit down, we'll come up with goals together and then we'll see, okay, what do we need to do to accomplish these goals? What do you need to do as a player? What do I need to do as a coach? And we just collaborate and make it happen. And we can hold ourselves accountable like that because we all met and talked about it together. And of course I have my own goals for the team that they won't know about. And I'm pretty sure they have their own goals, but I think it's important to have mutual goals and meet and then build like, We'll have separate meetings. I'll have individual meetings with my players. Just talk about life. Talk to me about anything that's on your mind so you can feel comfortable. And I have, I had a lot of different um, experiences from my first year that, that uh, kind of talks about those different, wearing those different hats that, you know, you don't, you don't know what's going on in the next person's life unless they come and talk to you about it. So I learned a lot. And I think that one of the best things you can do is build, as a leader, build a relationship with, you know, whoever you have on your team so they can feel comfortable coming to you and reaching out to you no matter what the situation is. And then you can understand them a little better, understand why they do the things they do, why they act the way they act, why they talk the way they talk. And I love, I'm like, I have like a scientific mindset. So I love to get to the bottom of things. So I love building relationships with people to understand why, who, like, who are you? Why are you like this? you know, why do you want to be who you want to be, different things like that. So I think that's crucial and that's like top priority building relationships. I totally agree with you there, coach. And I think that's so amazing, especially in your case. Um, you know, you talked about that adversity and a lot mm -hmm. of adversity with individuals, they make them run from God or question God. And, and I mean, mm -hmm do it we're human he knows that we're part flesh and we're going to have those moments but i love how you know my pastor always calls it holy boldness um mm -hmm. in the midst of adversity no matter what goes on you continuously say over and over that i put my trust in god i put my faith in god i know that he's going to handle it his plans are going to be totally different than my plans but i put my faith in god i put my trust in god um in terms of, you know, those job situations, right? You talked to us about even when this job came open, it was like, no, head coach, I'm looking for grad assistant. Isn't it something mm -hmm. sometimes we'll uh, place a level on God? Right? Yeah. Level yeah. on God. Yeah. It's like, dude, did you forget I'm perfect and you're placing a level on me? But talk to us a little bit about, you know, and more so from a coach standpoint, a servant leader standpoint, talk to those coaches, more so those trying to get in the game about, seeking and leaning on God for his advisement and taking those jobs. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, one thing I love to do is 
of course, like I said, planning, but I love to set goals. So, but when I set goals, I, I create an action plan for those goals. And then when I kind of finish my action plan, I just pray on it. So it, sometimes if it doesn't happen, you know, maybe it'll happen at a different time. But I will say the number one, like literally my number one goal for 2019 was to get a salary tennis job. Now, I don't know what type of job that was going to be. I just know that I wanted to have a salary tennis job by the fall. And it felt so good being able to cross that goal off on October 1st, 2019. So I'm big on just what you put out in the universe, especially our, like our words are so powerful. The word from the Bible, God's words and are just so powerful. So we can really be careful and be intentional about what we put in the universe. I believe it absolutely can happen, especially, especially if you put a little bit of prayer on it and just trust that God will work it out. So I know that, like I said, I know that he has a, a calling on my life. And if, if I don't remind myself, I know my mom will, like she'll make sure I understand, um, you know, you're here to do big things. And I know that's my foundation, like spiritually, that's my foundation. If I'm a little off or if something's going on, I know maybe I need to, I need to go pick up my Bible journal. I love to journal or maybe I need to go read a, a book or something just to connect, keep my connection and relationship with God. So I think that um, being a leader, um, I think it helps to just lead by example, because if someone can see that and they just see what I do, like maybe I'll have a book around my my players and if they'll they'll be interested see like, hey coach what you reading and i'll show them so being able to do the like connect with god in front of people too i think that's beneficial as a leader for the team i think that's so true and you know we make it a point to not to cut off the speaker but so we'll say our tidbits in the bottom and you know coach g who's on here and part of servant leader family he he said a supportive circle um, and whoever's in it is super huge. And, and it truly, yes. um, I, I think that is amazing. And it's, you know, you, we, see, we see it all the time on social media. We see different memes that say, um, you know, if you speeding sounds like bragging to your circle, uh, mm -hmm. you, you know, check your circle. And, you know, unfortunately we had the loss of, um, you know, actor Chadwick. Um, and they said, you know, he had been battling cancer for four years. And yeah check yeah. your circle, you know? So I think yes. it's so amazing that you say that because this servant leader circle is so huge for me. There's moments where I'm just like, oh my God, I feel like I'm just tired and can't go on. And then I log in at one o'clock or now we shift to three o'clock and it's like a refresher because it's your circle. So in that scripture that tells us that iron sharpens iron, it is imperative mm -hmm. that as yes, servant yes. leaders, we're making sure we have some iron to sharpen because we will become dull. So I thank you so much for, for putting that out there. Um, yes. I don't know. I can go toe to toe for days with questions, but I, I'm going to be fair and I'm going to open up for any questions or comments that you all ha may have for Coach Moore. And y'all know if y'all don't have any, I have a few more questions on deck. So I'll go ahead and give you all a moment uh, before I proceed. I'm going to go ahead and get mine out the way. Hey, Coach, how you doing? Good, how are you? All right. Um, as always, thanks for sharing. Um, regardless of what the story may be or the background or how you got from point A to point B, um, 
the transparency involved to be able to do things like this is huge. Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I guess my biggest thing is I'm big on connections also, regardless of the age group, because I've worked with middle, high, some college, you name it, over the years. So, And then girls ain't guys, or, or men and women, or boys and girls, whatever. So mm -hmm. my biggest struggle was early on was coaching women. It was the, it was the opposite. I was like, yo, I'm 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 too in your face, and I'm too. Uh, I'm a big ball of energy, and they're not gonna respond well to that. They're gonna be ready to, you know, tune me out and, and walk away. And to my surprise, you know, they they responded quite well with it. My first year coaching women, so I've been coaching both now for like 18 years. But because I stumbled on that team that I never thought I'd be coaching, now I got a whole avenue that I didn't know I'd be involved in. So, you know, never say never. And, you know, I don't have a problem with, with women coaching whatever or men coaching whatever. Just hire me because I know what I'm doing, not just because right. we got somebody in the position. But right. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, you know, keep learning. Keep pulling off a, a, a good, good sources of people and uh, keep eye on this circle, but Best of luck to you. Oh, thank you. No doubt. I guess I'll hop in. Uh, hi, Coach. How are you? Hey, how are you? Good. Doing good. Uh, congratulations on the position. Um, I know uh, what it's like when you get that first, you know, coaching position. And it's kind of like, ah, you know, where do I yeah. start first? And, you know, there's so much to think about and do. Um, when you got the position, mm -hmm. what, when you found out you got the position, what was the first thing you do? And you did. And secondly, um, how do you incorporate your faith walk uh, into your team practices? Um, or do you? Yeah, so... For the first one, the first thing that I did was I definitely called all the head coaches that I knew and it just kind of reached out to my network and, and my mentors to see what type of advice they have for me because I have a lot of mentors who are college coaches. So that's, uh, a, again, a big emphasis on relationship building and networks. And then as far as my faith walk um, with my team, actually, I was a little nervous to share with my team my faith because like I said they're all international from all different parts of the world and I know it's different um, you know religions and things like that but the main thing I did was just share my story with them and I kind of told them hey guys I'm, I'm, I've done what you all are trying to do I've got through um, I had challenges along the way and you guys can get through this too and I definitely just try my best to use it as motivation so like I said, there was a, a video done on me in 2013, like a mini documentary, and I just shared it with my team. And I think that helped uh, their relationship with me because I was just open enough to show them like, hey, I went through some things. You guys are going through things, but we can all get through this together. So I try to do that. And then just um, having different meetings individually to kind of see where their heads are at. Mind you, I didn't recruit any of them at the time. So I'm still getting to know them and getting to learn about them and their spirituality. So I think having those one-on-one -on -one meetings and just starting to um, have that initial uh, building of relationship, that's kind of how I 
tell them about, you know, my faith and what I come from and what I'm trying to do as a person too. So that's what I would say. Uh, vulnerability is, is like a big um, thing, you know, these days. And, you know, it seems like people don't want to be vulnerable, especially other coaches, you mm-hmm. know, and when it comes to hiring people they don't know or, you know, doing uh, new things. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is by Brene Brown. Um, we, to be, beat vulnerability to the punch, you know, we rehearse, you know, so essentially, you know, we do things to not be vulnerable. So, um, you know, if you could talk a little bit, a bit, a little bit about how, you know, you are vulnerable around, you know, other coaches and in your profession and also with the the players and do you talk to them, you know, about that? Mm -hmm. So as far as vulnerability, um, Definitely in my profession, I say that's something that I try to do just as much as possible so I can stay, so they can understand it's genuine and that I'm authentic and just be my real self. Because, and then when you just um, communicate with your players and you kind of see, you know, if they, let's say specifically, they have something going on and they be, you know, they take a step and kind of tell you something, but from a vulnerable position, I would definitely want to, you know, come back with and show them that it can be mutual I can be vulnerable too and I think that's important for coaches because sometimes it's just so much about the sport you know sport 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 but we're people first we have feelings we go through things so I really try my best to um, be vulnerable with the team on and off the court especially even that if we go to a team dinner you know if we we can talk about deep things and that just opens the door for more conversations if needed in the future and and just I just feel like that opens a, a lot of doors, just being vulnerable um, with your players as a coach. And then you had a what was the second part? Uh, the like being vulnerable with coaches. Are you you know? And if you are, what that looks like? Yeah. So I mean, I try to be a sponge. I try to learn as much as I can. And if I have to, you know, be. I just feel like if whatever I need to do to. Like, if I have to be vulnerable to learn something, I'll do that. Like, if I need to come to Coach Pullman to decide, like, hey, I'm going through some things, you know, such and such, and then that helps. Then I learn from the time when maybe they were in a vulnerable position, and it's a, it's a teaching moment. So I believe in teaching moments, and I think vulnerability promotes teaching moments. So I, I don't have any problem being vulnerable with another coach, especially because I feel like there's something I need to learn from this. So, and getting that teaching moment out of it, I look forward to that. And some, and then to my surprise, you know, coaches will be vulnerable back. And then now it's like, okay, cool. So, you know, you went through this, you know, you went through that so you can help me. That's why the, what I was saying earlier, you know, like it's bigger than, you know, that one person is bigger than me, it's bigger than any coach that what you're called to do. Uh, nice. And I, I was just thinking, um, you know, that quote, uh, it, it actually says we rehearse tragedy to beat vulnerability to the punch uh, by Brene Brown. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, in, in saying that, you know, what it, what was something that, you know, it, your your being your first year, you know, you kind of felt like, I don't want this one thing to happen. And that one thing happened and you were like, oh my gosh. And, you know, and did you get past it or, or did it? 
I'm going to be completely honest. I knew I, I went into this position knowing that I would have a lot of failures just because I've never been in this position before. So my mindset going in was, you know, learn as much as you can. If you just make as many mistakes as possible. So honestly, I was looking forward to making mistakes so I can learn from them and not make that mistake again. Because one thing about, I really don't like making the same mistake twice because that means I didn't learn from it. So I actually went into this position um, just trying to go through as many challenges as possible, trying to make as many mistakes as possible so I can learn from it and maybe ask someone else, like maybe one of my mentors, right? So I, that's what I believe. Like, I feel like if you, if you don't, um, you can't lose if you learn. I'm a firm believer in that because you know, you can get that knowledge and apply it. But if you, I feel like the only way to lose is if you did not learn from it. So I, I can't say that there was something that happened that I didn't want to happen, but I can say that I've been just open to whatever happening and then me trying to figure out how to problem solve, how to figure out who to reach out to or how do I need to address the situation or handle the situation because I feel like this is only year one and there's going to be so many more uh, situations in the future and to learn from it so you don't make the, mis the same mistake or um, help someone else not make that mistake. And that was one of my first questions to my mentors when I got the job, what was your biggest challenges? What were the toughest things? So I try to get, I like the tough stuff because it helps mold you to be the, the best that you can be, so. Uh, last question, did you go in with any expectations um, it, it, at all in any way and um, did was that expectation met or did you find yourself trying not to have expectations because you were just trying to learn um expectations as far for me or for the team or just in general? just just period like you know uh, you know we all I, I think we all go into something um, especially something new with some level of expectation, whether it be the expectation to have good relationships or the expectation mm -hmm. that, you know, maybe win one game or two, at least two or, or whatever. But I think, you know, if you are a goal setter, you tend to put some type of expectation in place because you're used to get it reaching, you know, goals. So did you have, you know, any expectations at all, you know, for yourself, for the team, for the program, you know? period um i can't i don't believe that i'm i don't think i'm big on i can't say that i'm big on expectations i try to i try to have a growth mindset and try to i set the goals and then i i think it's really simple as far as putting the work in for the goals so if i set a goal and maybe i have to take a different route but as long as i'm working towards that goal I should get close to it, if not accomplish that goal. So expectations, um, I set goals, you know, like as far as culture with the team, because they were, they didn't have a coach the whole fall. So they were used to doing whatever, you know, they were doing. So I definitely had to build the culture, which was very challenging, but we were able to accomplish some pretty good things. But my goals was when I got in, just build relationships. Number one, build relationships with your players, see what type of team you have. Then once I see what type of team I have, then I can get into, uh, I, I think then I can get into some expectations on, you know, how I want them to compete, different things like that. But unfortunately, the season got cut short when kind of when we were 
right at that point, like, I do expect my team to compete, you know, uh, just to go out there and compete, though. But it, it, it sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes it does happen. But as far as competition-wise, definitely. But I don't really place um, a lot of expectations on myself because I feel like I know what I want to do and I just need to do it. I need to work towards it. I try to make that real simple because if I don't, you know, if that's not what I'm passionate about, then I shouldn't be doing it. So I feel like maybe there's just a um, a value that I place on myself to just work hard, just do what you have to do to get what you need done by any means, like make it happen. So I don't I don't believe like that I set certain expectations, but just that I try to make things happen by any means, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Thanks so much, and and good luck okay. to you, Coach. No, great question. Thank you. You're welcome. That's what I said. I said amazing questions. You know, that was one of the biggest things that I had to learn as I grew as a coach. Um, and it's crazy. This will be year 11 um, coaching uh, my young ladies. And that was the biggest thing I had to learn about vulnerability. I felt like when I place a wall up and they don't need to know I'm coach and that, but I learned that, that when I started to become vulnerable, relations, relationships started to build and those were actually our better seasons because it was almost like, wait, she's human too. You know, right. Coach, you played here. You know, I actually am blessed to be able to coach and teach at the place where I was educated and I played ball. Right. And so, you know, it's almost like, well, they already question us anyway. You know, they think they know more anyway, but then it's like, well, you went here, you played on this court. Well, maybe, you know, a thing or two, you know? And so that right is amazing especially in these times you know the first thing I said to my students uh yesterday when they came back was guys I'm nervous too guys this is new and I'm overwhelmed too and the looks on their faces when these leaders and people that are in the forefront become vulnerable it's like okay well I can breathe we all are human and I I think that the best leaders um learn that balance and so I thank you both uh, coach Tiffany for asking that question and uh, Coach Moore for highlighting that. Um, I don't want to leave anybody out. Um, anybody else have anything before we start to wrap it up? Okay, good. Just want to make sure I was laughing. We have a couple of coaches since we've opened back up and, you know, we actually, I laugh because for six months of my life, we've been spoiled to to think that we can just get on and be here and really don't have our lives and jobs right <laughs> so this is definitely a new norm for me and we have coach huff um who's on often and you know every day and he actually said the same time that you said it coach Moore, he was typing it and he said you don't lose you learn the only way you lose, yes. you don't learn and so literally as soon as you said it he was typing it too um, and that's when you know that the truth has been given i just personally want to just take the time to thank you so much um just just for giving us your time, your wisdom. It's so funny. You speak about your age and that you being young and, but God knew, you know, there's so much wisdom mm -hmm. in you. Um, it, you're so wise beyond your years. And that's something that I was always told. I would think, well, I'm too young to do that. Or, but you said at best, it's not in my hands. It's in God's hands. And we got to remember, that David, you know, we got to remember how, how old David was too. You know, we can yeah. times and talk about the, you know, people in the Bible and people just of everyday life who, you know, everyday superheroes, it's not about age, you know, you're in a position to change lives and you're doing that. Um, I thank you because you don't only talk the talk, but you walk the walk. And that was, oh, thank you. 
within this hour. So I just personally want to tell you thank you. I even saw some of the beautiful comments from uh, individuals from here, and it only just gave another fact of what I felt to be true about you. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to say anything you would like to when closing to us, um, and we'll say a prayer and get out of here for today. But I really do appreciate your wisdom. It's in God's hands. Okay, thank you. I mean, I just want to say just kind of something that, I mean, these past couple of years, it's the, the, the quote, I mean, excuse me, the scripture that I walk by is that trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Um, and then even the walk by faith, not by sight, I have quotes for days, but I really, and not just say these things to myself, but I write it down. It's in my notes on my phone. I really try to surround my life around it so that one little time where I'm feeling down or feeling sad I can lean on you know my faith and lean on my struggles and lean on the things that I went through and keep myself you know sane and remind myself that you're strong you can get through this and if you keep your faith and keep trusting God then everything will work out it's not in your hands so um, uh, that's my closing remarks. Thank you again for this opportunity. I love to be able to um, connect with other people and tell my story. So I really appreciate it. Absolutely. It was the pleasure. I can speak for all of us to say it was all of ours. Um, you truly, you, you went beyond. You superseded what I was told um, we were going to get from you today. Um, so I oh. thank you so much that, um, for every part of it, just for what you do. When my niece um, looks at this, you know, it, it is an empowering thing when they get to see these young women um, who are doing mm -hmm. things that they say they want to do and that it's a reality. Yeah. So just yes. thank you so much for what you do. All right, guys, if you just buy it, say a quick prayer and we're going to get out today. Heavenly Father, we just want to okay. thank you for the things that we've seen and the things that we've heard, Lord God. We thank you just for simply being who you are, Lord God, because if you haven't done anything else and you don't do anything else, Lord God, you've already done enough. We thank you right now, Lord God, for Coach Moore. We ask you to just keep your hands upon her, Lord God, because she understands, Lord God, that it's not in her hands, it's in yours. I ask that you bless everything that she touches, Lord God. I ask that you bless her programs, Lord God. Help her to continue to lead and guide those athletes, Lord God, in the way that you would have her to go. Give her strength, Lord God, that in these times that we don't know from day to day what's what, give us strength to be able to make those right decisions, Lord God. Continue to bless all the coaches and leaders on this line, Lord God. You know what they need best, Lord God. Heal our land, Lord God. Heal our nation, Lord God. And continue just to be with us to give us the strength to make it through our day with you in mind, Lord God. We'll be ever so mindful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.